Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC may be taking a break this weekend, but we, of course, never take any breaks. We give you this show each and every week. So, to kick off the show this week, we are talking to Alan Joban about his retirement, what led to that decision, as well as the highs and lows of his career. Later on in the show, we'll be talking at Yusuf Zalal, who's getting ready to fight Sean Woodson at UFC Vegas 28. And me and Shockwave are going to give you a very special game that we're playing today, the Aesthetically Pleasing Draft. We're going to draft our favorite fighters to watch in a situation where if you could only watch three fighters for the rest of your lives, me and Dave talk about exactly who we would pick for those three. But before we get to any of that great content, we got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Head on over to betterthan.vegas, browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests and in every sport imaginable. In fact, if you head on over there, you can regularly see me and Shockwave Dave dropping our MMA knowledge, as well as all kinds of other handicappers giving you stuff on baseball, basketball, when football season rolls around, more football. It's all there at Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is recent retiree and 13 UFC fight veteran, Alan Joban. So, Alan, first of all, before we even start, I want to congratulate you on an amazing career. It was a lot of fun to watch and obviously something you should be very proud of. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was looking back at it, it was a, a great for me. It was a great career for me. I'm proud of my body of work. Um, I wish it would have been about five or six more fights, if I'm being honest. I feel like I had so many injuries throughout my career that there were I should have I should have had a lot more number of fights over the time. But for the time I was in there, man, it, it was great, and um, it's been a a huge um, amount of positive uh, uh, just comments and feedback since I've announced my retirement. So I'm I'm very appreciative of it. Well, and, and that's great to hear too. Now I, I know you know you mentioned you'd like to have a few more in there, and when we spoke last time. Before your last fight, you, you spoke about not having much time left and not knowing how many more you had in the tank. And, and now we're, we're almost six months removed from that fight, right? You fought in November. Well, why now did you decide it, it was officially the time to, to hang up the gloves? Yeah, so, so I can't even remember, to be honest, man. So we spoke after my last fight or around right, the right, same time? Right, bu- right before your last fight, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so I knew it. I knew going into the last fight. I told my coaches. Um, I said, look, I don't know how much longer I have left, but I'm going to treat this fight like it is my last one because I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, especially if things went the wrong way. If I got knocked out, if I lost, um, you know, if I get injured, then it would just – it would be much – it would have been a lot harder to come back if I had to have another surgery or I got knocked out. I go, man, it's just, it's just not safe. The best-case scenario happened. I got the win. Uh, you know, I was banged up, but I wasn't injured. And so it gave me the option to say, okay, now 
Do we have one more? Because if I was going to fight again, it would be one more. It, it would not more than one left in me. Um, and so I just I couldn't I couldn't rush into that decision to be honest. And so I kept kind of putting it off and just waiting to see when the timing was right. Wait, waiting for like the fire inside of me to get strong enough, but also kind of testing out my body because I let my body heal for about two months after that fight because <clears throat> you know I had one eye shut and one eye halfway shut and a fractured nose. So. You know, at 39, I go, let's just let's just take some time off. And so I did all that. I assessed it. And the broadcasting stuff started picking up. And I realized, you know, if I go in there again, it I don't think it's going to be the best me. It's, it, it's a little bit older, Alan. It's somebody who's slowed down a little bit. Um, and the only way I'd want to do it is if a, a big-name fight came. And a big-name fight presented itself. And I turned it down. And so that's how I knew it was time to make the decision because, um, like, the only people that I wanted to fight is guys that I really liked and respected that had been around for a while, like a Carlos Condit, Cowboy Cerrone, people like that. I mean, I almost like them so much I don't even want to fight them. But I want somebody that's around my age, that's been in the game as long or longer than me, and that I just had a tremendous amount of respect for, kind of like a, you know, just a going, going out fight. And um, they actually offered me, Carlos, this, this upcoming pay-per-view, June 12th, they offered me to, on that card around the same weekend that, that I also bought a house in Louisiana and decided to move. And, and, and it just, it just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't put everything on hold in my life, uh, selling my home, moving across country to Louisiana. Um, just it, so many moving parts, obviously when you, when you're buying and selling homes and, and moving your family. And I, I was going through all that and I go, and now with all that going on, and, you know, I still teach more. I still teach Muay Thai class. I do a lot of other things. And I'm broadcasting now on the weekends. And with all this other stuff going on, new stuff, now I'm supposed to jump into a fight at 39 years old on kind of short notice, even though it's kind of the dream opponent. And so, long story short, I, I got to Sean Shelby and I told him, thank you. This is the fight that I've always wanted, but. I just can't do it. And then I knew when I turned on that one, I said, I need to make a decision now. I can't have the UFC waiting on me. And so uh, I made a decision a week or so ago and just um, I said, you know, it's time. It's time to kind of let the younger guys have their chance, let the UFC know, stop you, stop you sending USADA over here to drug test me because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. They, I mean, they came to my gym. The other day, and like, I mean, it took three hours for that to teach class, they had to follow me home. I couldn't shower, couldn't eat. That it's just, I go, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in it anymore. I'm not the fire, the desire to go through all this. I've got too many things going on, and it's a good time to move on. Well, that that makes a lot of sense too. Now, you alluded to a couple of them in there, in, in some things that you wish you could have done. You wish you could add more fights, stayed healthy. Do you have a biggest regret looking back at your career about something you wish you did or, or something you wish you could change? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I said this one time, somebody asked me if I had any regrets, and I said no, because I know wholeheartedly I put my soul into fighting. I knew, you know, to not go into some long story, but as soon as I joined the Muay Thai gym 15 years ago, I had a fight three months later. And then I go, I'm going to be in the UFC. I remember saying this. I'm going to be in the UFC. And that was my only, my only focus for the last 15 years, getting to the UFC, doing, you know. And so I know I put everything I had. I never wasted a second of, of what could I be doing to get better right now. The only regret, though, to answer your question, 
was it was the injuries the injuries because as i mentioned i was always like waking up every morning all right what do i have to do do i have to drive an hour and a half to black house to train with kenny johnson to get better at my wrestling okay let's do it do i have to go to a chiropractor every day to to stay youthful uh being an older fighter okay then do it but then i would do all these things and then i would get an injury and then i would be on crutches and then i couldn't even train for four months and 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 it bugged me because I, I, I go, when I'm healthy, I'm doing everything possible to become better, to fight as frequently as possible. And then when I'm injured, it's like you're doing nothing. And I realized, God, I could have fought so many. You know, my first year in the UFC, I had five fights. The second year, four fights, three fights, two fights, and so on and so on. My last couple of years, I was fighting every 18 months. And so if I could have just kept the average two to three a year for these last couple of years, um, yeah, I just, I wish I could have seen what might have happened. I mean, I know what would have happened. I would have got, you know, five more fights. I probably would have won, you know, a handful of those. Hopefully I probably would have had my first main event. I would have got into that top 10. Like I know that stuff. I, I'm, I'm certain it would have happened with, you know, five or six more fights. Uh, I just never got around to doing that. So I wish that could have happened. But again, I don't have any regrets on, on what was in my control. I did everything I could. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to flip it around on you, too, because you've got a really awesome career. Like you said, you had tons of fights at the beginning. You had four fight of the night bonuses and absolutely insane fights with guys like, you know, Ben Saunders and Bilal Muhammad. And just, you know, like I said, an absolutely incredible career. Is there a moment that you look back to most fondly at uh, of that career, even even before the UFC, for that matter? Hmm. It's... um such a tricky question that right because um there's different moments that stand out for different reasons but i'll give you one or two short ones i mean the ufc debut will always be in my heart and in a memory because it was such a big moment you know my striking coach uh had never been to ufc kenny johnson my wrestling coach had been before but like me and him to experience the ufc for the first time like getting just getting all the all the all, all the gear from the UFC and, you know, the limo picks you up. And we weren't used to that. We're used to the smaller shows. And now we got these limousines picking us up and we're riding on the bus to the venue and we're at the curtain and we hear our name playing over the over the over the speakers and they open up the curtains and there's eight thousand people roaring and it's your opportunity to like make or break and you go out there and I got a knockout. I don't even remember the fight. It was just so fast. I got knocked down, I got up, I knocked him out. Next thing I know I'm like kissing the camera. My hand's getting raised. I'm in an interview. Dana White says you get a 50 grand bonus knockout of the night, uh, fight of the night. And it just happened so fast that I was like, this is exactly what I've been dreaming about for so long. And it just, it happened. It happened in a matter of hours. And then you're just sitting on a plane ride on the way home going, what the hell just happened? Did that, did, was that real? Like, did I just... Did I just, you know, I, I dream about this for so long, and then I, then I did it? Like, what's next? Now, what's my next goal? And so that was just such a special moment. And then when it comes to just, like, individual fights, um, the fight that I had with Mike Perry, um, just at the time, uh, he was a super dangerous guy. He was, uh, he was undefeated, all his wins by knockout. He was, like, this up-and-comer, and we had kind of bad blood. But it was just my performance in terms of, Hitting and not getting hit. I'd always been in these wars, get knocked down, get hurt, go to the hospital after. And that was one fight my coaches said, stick and move. Do not get suckered into it. Outclass him. And, and no disrespect to Mike Perry. But, yeah, that was a fight that um, I barely got hit. 
I didn't go to the hospital after. I didn't have stitches. I didn't have a broken bone. Uh, I went home and felt like nothing happened. Um, and I go, holy crap, I just fought Mike Perry, who at the time had posterized every one of his opponents, had slept them all. And I knew going into that fight, I go, I could end up on the wrong end of a highlight reel, but I'm going to take this fight. And then I went home and I go, Jesus, that was the least amount of damage I've taken in my entire career. And so I was, my coaches, my coaches were very proud of me for sticking to the game plan in that performance. So that one stands out. Well, those are two excellent memories. Now, I want to ask you before you go, too, because we got to see the video packages of both you and Paul Felder on the same night, the UFC broadcast, yeah. which, as we're listening, as we're recording right now, that was last night, for those that, that don't know. This was, we're talking 12 hours after that that played. What was it like to, to see kind of the, the UFC put together a highlight package, your name on the top of it, uh, as you walk out? And, and to, to some extent, you know, seeing your, your you know, now, I guess, co-worker, Paul Felder, get almost that same treatment on the same night. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was so honored, Dan. I mean, um, just, I mean, I know I fight for the UFC, and I know I do commentary for the UFC, but for them to put that together for me, um, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. It really did. And, 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 and if I'm being honest, if I didn't work on the broadcast team, I might not have gotten that. I understand that. I really, I really do, you know. They don't put together, like, farewell packages for every 600 fighters in the UFC. It just doesn't happen unless you're a Michael Bisbing retiring on the spot. You're a former champion. Something maybe extra is given to you. But um, I had a good run. I had a good run in the UFC, and I was able to transfer transition into broadcasting and make some relationships there. And they got to know me and, and recognize the body of work that I did there. And so for them to honor me in that way, the producers, um, Zach, and just everybody that put that together, uh, I was so honored. And 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 the way that they did it, they I mean they they fooled me. They they really caught me off guard. They um, we were we were we were doing the prelims, and you know the producers get in our ear, and they always kind of tell you what's coming up. And they kind of said, you know, after this fight, guys, we're gonna come to you. We're coming to the desk, Alan. You're gonna go over that Alves knockout. I think it was Bruno Alves had a big knockout. Alan, you're going to go over that Bruno Alves knockout. And then uh, we're going to couple Karen. You're going to, you know, set up some stuff and we we'll go to a commercial. Cool. All right, guys, you got about two minutes, two minutes out. So I'm sitting there at the desk looking at my notes. Bruno Alves or Silva, whatever. I apologize. It might have been Bruno Silva. Um, and I'm trying to remember what happened. Oh, big right hand, big knockout, two knockouts in a row, this and that. And, I'm, and I got everything in my head. I'm ready to go. Three, two, one. You're on camera. And I see me on the camera. I see myself on a monitor. That UFC debut that I just spoke about in Bangor, Maine. And I'm wearing like some, I don't even know, like, like an affliction shirt. Or, you know, some old <laughs> sponsor. And uh, I see this young guy. I see this young Alan Joban, you know, seven years ago. Fresh face. And I hear my voice talking from some interview, talking about just um, perseverance and all these things. And Man, I'm telling you, I got, I got choked up. Um, I'm just watching this package that they put together, and and you know it dawned on me after a couple of seconds while they're doing a little, a little tribute, a little highlight going away package for me. And um, so yeah, man, my, uh, I was just taking it all in. I was, I was dumbfounded. I mean, I saw a video somebody was filming me, and I had my 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 jaw was literally dropped, like and my mouth was open because I was just absorbing it all, all the love and um. 
I mean, immediately after that thing ended, they cut the camera and the, and the camera's on me and I saw the red light come on and I just, I didn't even know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm on TV now. And uh, I'm like halfway teary eyed and Karen's like, how you feeling, Alan? And um, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do right now? And um, yeah, I tried my best to to fight those tears back and compose myself and kind of actually conduct some type of um, response, like interview. Um, but yeah, it, it ha- again, it's one of those things that can happen fast, like the fight, an interview, these emotions. Um, life is crazy like that. And sometimes things happen really fast. And, um, it, and then it was done. And uh, one, once I kind of got to go to the green room a little bit later and like look at the video, of, of, uh, that they sent me and, and how I was reacting and uh, see some comments. Like, I was like, wow, that's when, it, that's when it hit me. I go, man, that was, that was special. That was nice. That was, um, so, uh, I don't know where from the OC, but it meant so much to me. And then to see Paul do it, you know, he, I ran into Paul in the elevator that, that day and he goes, Hey man, uh, I'm going to be following you in your footsteps this weekend. And I was like, what, what are you talking about, man? Like he goes, yeah, I'm done, bro. I'm done. I was like, wow. And he was getting in the elevator, and I just told him, I said, dude, congratulations. I know that decision. I know how it is trying to say that decision, trying to get that word retirement just to come out of your mouth. And so for him to have to do it live on the air like that, you know, you know, they were probably counting him down. Paul, we're about to go to you, man. We're about to set you up so you can retire live on TV. Like, it's not easy. It's not easy. But everything Paul said, I totally understood. You know, his family going home to his little girl. And her understanding more, Daddy, why are you beat up? Why are you banged up? Or why are you always leaving town? I understand those things. Your kid gets it more. You get older. Um, the fire dies down. Other things become responsibilities. Um, so everything Paul had to say, I completely related to. And so it was kind of an honor, to be honest, to uh, retire. Or, you know, I retired a week before him, but to get, you know, paid somewhat a tribute on the same night as him, but I, I feel bad for the fans. I had a bunch of people saying, are you kidding me? <laughs> Two of my favorite fighters retire on the same night. What are y'all doing to me? But um, yeah, I was honored from the whole thing. Well, you certainly deserve it. And once again, we want to wish you a, a happy retirement and congratulations on a great career. And we, we certainly look forward to hearing more of you on the desk and in cage side. So once again, fans, this is Alan Jovan, UFC veteran and recent retiree. Thank you so much for the time, Alan. Thank you, my brother. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Alan Joban. I once again am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I am now joined by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, what a mess Bantamweight has become, especially after this past weekend. Rob Font picks up the big win, but he's seemingly in like a Bantamweight no man's land. What do you think we do with him next? OMG, 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 Gumby. Uh, Bantamweight is a mess. It's a great way to describe the title picture, uh, but it is fun as hell. I think... Font, yeah, it's really victim of a bad circumstance. Almost in like any other year in any other scenario, he instantly has a title shot off that performance. So happy for him. We've been high on him since he debuted. You were all over him as a New England uh, prospect. And I think he just waits it out. You know, you see what happens with Stan Hagen and Dillashaw. You see what happens with Aljo uh, and Piotr Jan. And you see if there's an injury, because we know that certainly happens in the UFC. But... It's a bad set of circumstances, but 
I don't know. As a fan, I'm so happy with any of those matchups. You know, he could fight the winner of, oh, well, yeah, he could fight the loser, excuse me, of Jan and Aljo, and I would pay to watch that, you know? Yeah, and I think that's the situation he's going to find himself in because the winner of TJ and Sanhagen is going to get the title shot. So, yeah, he could fight the loser of the title fight. I also think he could fight the winner. Uh, in August, Jose Aldo is fighting uh, Pedro Munoz. Um, and, and not that either of those two deserve the same amount as Rob Font does, but that's like one more thing Rob Font can do to make sure that somehow he doesn't get overlooked for this title shot he so clearly deserves. So, I mean, like, there are options out there for him. It's just like, like you said, any other year, any other division, what he's done to a former champion this past weekend is enough to punch his ticket. It's just sad he's not getting it. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, if we found Font in the similar circumstance on a really nice win streak and surging, you know, I'd probably be complaining, but I guess almost as fans of the modern UFC, we're kind of used to this at this point. I mean, if you remember, you and I were livid when Tony was on his 11-fight win streak and Max Holloway was on a 9-fight win streak and he earned title shots. You know, back in 2007, you win three in a row, you got a title shot. George St. Pierre got a title shot in his third fight in the UFC. That's how thin the divisions used to be back then. This is a byproduct of having deep divisions, and it just kind of happens where some guys have to work a little extra hard. But, you know, in the case of Max, he got to his title shot. In the case of Charles Oliveira, he got to his title shot and win. And, you know, Tony Ferguson never got his true, true title shot, not talking about interim. And maybe that's a bit of a tragedy, but seeing how he's been in this past couple of fights, I don't really lose sleep over anything at this point. So I think what will happen will happen. How's that for a fucking answer? Yeah, I think so, too. And, and you mentioned earlier, injuries are a thing that always can happen. So I think keeping that in mind and, and Rob Font keeping that in mind will uh, probably do him well. All right. Well, we have no fights this weekend, which means we get to play one of our infamous Top Turtle games. Uh, we've been going on five years on this show, and we always like to break out a fun little draft or game. Gumby, I'll kick this over to you. Why don't you set up for the fans? What this week is about, and we, of course, want to hear their feedback on Twitter, their lists as well. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. It's the aesthetically pleasing draft. Tell us about it. All right, so let me first break down that we are sponsored by Maroon Social. The aesthetically pleasing draft this week is brought to you by Maroon Social. Uh, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, make sure you log your training sessions, uh, log your competitions, weigh in, so much more. Once again, that's Maroon Social, wherever it is you download apps. So uh, let's talk about the aesthetically pleasing draft. So I came up with this idea sitting around at work the other day, and I I thought to myself, if you could only watch three fighters for the rest of your life, that's all you've got is three fights – You don't get their whole back catalog. You only get what they do from now on. And that's all you get to watch for the rest of your life. Who would you pick? Who would you tie your your horse or your wagon to or your cart to so that you get the maximum amount of entertainment from here on out? So you get to watch those fights as many times as you want, but only from what they do from today on. And you only get three fighters. So obviously you got to keep in mind who's entertaining to watch. Who's going to give you a long catalog of lots of fights that you'll get to see? 
And obviously, the, whether or not those fights have replay value, you want to be able to see a knockout or a submission or something like that. So keeping all of those things in mind, being aesthetically pleasing and fun to watch, uh, and hey, maybe not even quick KOs, because maybe you don't like just watching quick KOs, you want to see wars. So this is going to be our aesthetically pleasing draft, and I'm going to kick it to you, Shockwave. Who do you, I, I'll give you the first pick. Who do you pick first in the aesthetically pleasing MMA fighter draft? All right. So I had to look at this a number of different ways, and I will say that my list has both the uh, grappling connoisseurs, uh, submission artists in some case, and it also has the striking phenomenon. So I I like to think my list is well-rounded in that regard. Having the caveat, that it's only going forward. Age does play a factor, but I kind of threw that out the window with the first person I picked, my third pick, if you will, because we're going 3-2-1. And the third person that I had picked is 30, which I don't like. I don't like the fact that they're 30, especially at a weight class that you need to be fast, and it's not really known for people stretching into their late 30s and being successful. But that being said, I don't give a fuck because this man is so exciting. It's Jiga Chikadze. Oh, my God, am I a huge fan, even if I can't fully pronounce his name. The Georgian fighter came from Glory Kickboxing. And Glory Kickboxing as a base, or kickboxing, I should say, as a base, with takedown defense that we've seen. So I feel like he's battle-tested. He can really show his striking prowess. He has dynamite in his hands. I love him, and I don't care if, you know, listen, Here's the other thing. Why didn't I pick someone who's 23 in this case? Injuries happen in in MMA. We already said it today at the top of the show. You can't really predict anything, but if I have to get, you know, the next three years, nine to ten fights out of someone, or let's say four to five years, nine to ten fights out of someone, I'm picking my man Gigi. Yeah, I I love Giga Chikaze. I actually had him listed as my honorable mention. So I I, I 100% agree with you. If you're getting entertainment value, the dude's got liver kicks and he's got head kicks and he's, you know, like he's sharp in the clinch. He's so much fun to watch. I love that pick. Um, I guess we don't have anything more to say about Giga Chikazi. He's obviously entertaining. And I'm going to go with my first pick here. And let me tell you something. I went the complete opposite route as you. You went with a guy. You like a little bit of flashy striking on the feet. I like that as well. But for me, if I'm going to watch somebody, I want to watch the parts of the game that I like the most. And that's submission grappling. You know I'm a grappling nerd. I got to see the guy who does the best work on the ground and is going to give me the most time. So my guy's only 28 years old. I'm taking Sean Brady. Because right now in the welterweight division, Sean Brady, dude, I mean, like, think about the people you still have him to fight. Like, he could still fight Jeff Neal. He could still fight Demian Maya, Neil Magny. He could fight Michael Chiesa. If you do get him against those top grapplers in the division, I want to see what he can do because I didn't think he could get through Jake Matthews. And not only did he get through Jake Matthews, he made Jake Matthews look like a little bitch on the mat. Like, uh, and no disrespect to Jake Matthews, who I also really like, but the dude's 28 years old and an absolute murderer. He's undefeated, tons of submissions and great grappling. I just had to take Sean Brady. Okay. So that was my number one pick. Gummy, <laughs> you took my number one pick. 
So how do we do this? Should I just pull in my honorable mention? Do I not get to pick Sean Brady now as my honorable pick? You took him off the board? I think for, for the fun's sake, I think take a new one. We'll, we'll obviously make note that, that Sean Brady was on your list, but I want to be able to talk about at least six guys, and you already stole my honorable mention too. So uh, let's just add another one in there. Okay, I'm I'm prepared to do that. So uh, we'll go with my next pick then. And now that we're doing this draft style, I actually need to kind of reconfigure in my mind how I want to do this. But you know what? I'll just go with it. So you mentioned you're a grappling guy. So am I. I am a butt scooter, if you're familiar with the <laughs> grappling. Uh, but I really, because of that reason, find so much appreciation in a takedown artist and I wanted to get someone on the female side of things, and I'm not talking about Carla Esparza because I don't like Carla Esparza. Uh, I am picking Tatiana Suarez. We have not seen her since 2019, but in her five fights in the UFC, I was so impressed. I mean, we were on Twitter calling her the female Khabib when she burst onto the scene, and the stats prove it. Uh, I don't have it offhand. I can maybe have the intern look it up, but I believe with a minimum of five fights in the UFC, she's in the top five for top control okay that is so impressive and especially on the female side of things you know obviously ronda rousey burst onto the scene when it was very thin divisions but that's another story for another day and she used her judo and submission game was so on point we'll never take that away from ronda uh but what tatiana suarez is doing as far as actual takedowns followed by top control is so, so impressive to me. So Tatiana Suarez, also I have to say, um, you know, upper 20s, I think just about 30. But I feel like uh, at, you know, uh, on the female side of things, at 115, potentially she lands at 125. We don't really have the stats to back up. You know, like I mentioned earlier with Chige Kachadze, uh, how late her career could go. We know, like, at the lighter male weight that, you know, you get to about 33, you're probably going to be one of the slower people in the division when it comes to striking so i don't necessarily know how that plays into the game but if i'm just talking about someone who's fights i cannot wait to watch and i know she's been out a year and we hope she's coming back soon that's the rumor i got tatiana suarez with my next pick i love it and i put the intern on it she did just turn 30 so she is 30 but i will also say this so i i like her pick because she's had that time off and like what's the odds of her having another big long layoff and you mentioned you don't know whether or not the jury's out on how old you can be at, you know, I, I think she is coming back at flyweight. She seems pretty obvious about that. I, I think the jury's out on how old you can be in that division. But also, there are some older ladies in that division right now who are doing well. Like Lauren Murphy is like, I think she's top two or three right now. She's 37. She's not a young at all. Um, I, I mean, like Roxanne Modafari is up in that division. Uh, I can't imagine. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but like Jessica I is not young either. So I, I, I think all of them lasting that long at flyweight show you that you can last in flyweight. And the other thing about Tatiana Suarez, and I did think about picking her as well. I wound up DQing her mentally because of the injury. But the other thing about her too is even if her striking slows down, who cares? She's amazing on the mat, right? Like it, she, I was just going to say. It, it, yeah. can, it, it can slow down lends. and she's going to still kill you. Yes, her style lends to being good later in her mid-30s. So I think we're totally on the same page on that. Who you got for your next one? Yeah, and I'm also going to say, too, you mentioned Carla Esparza in there and saying you didn't want Carla Esparza. She did TKO Carla Esparza. People are ready for the Carla Esparza title shot. 
She did TKO her, so it's worth noting that. Now, I'm also going to stay on the women's side here. Um, and you went striker, then grappler. I'm going to do it in a backwards way. I'm going to go grappler and then striker. And for me, I'm going to take 28-year-old Rose Gertrude Nama Yunus. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. I love watching Rose Nama Yunus fight. And I don't – I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, I've never thought of myself as a Rose Nama Yunus fan but when I was going back and looking at people's records and people who are under 30, because that was kind of the cutoff I drew myself. She's only 28 years old, uh, almost about to turn 29. But, like, she has so many fun fights out there, right? Like, both those fights with Ioana on Jacek are amazing. When she beat the piss out of Paige Van Zant, took her down and choked her cold, it was incredible. I, I think people forget she has a first-round rear-naked choke of Angela Hill. Um, she's got a flying armbar submission in her career. Like, she has put together a really impressive resume. And, and the most boring fight she has is a split decision with Jessica Andrade that went five rounds. So, like, she gives you the subs. She gives you the, the, the fun back-and-forth decisions. And she's also knocked out two people who people consider the GOAT of, of strawweight, right? Like, Yuanian Yan Jacek and Wei Li Zhang are the people who people talk about being the GOAT of that division. She's knocked them both stiff, right? Like, so, I mean, like, she's got the power. She's got the striking. She's younger than those other two, right? Like, I, I know she's younger. Yeah, she's three years younger than Wei Li Zhang. She's probably five years younger than Yuanian Yan Jacek. Like, she's just like... I mean, like, she's just hitting her prime, so I want to see her in the rematch with Whaley. I want to see her in the the rematch with Carla. I want to see her, you know, if she fights somebody like Mackenzie Dern. I don't mean to say picks if you were thinking about picking Mackenzie Dern or uh, Marina Rodriguez. Like, I want to see all those fights. So, yeah, I'm going number two, Rose Nami Yunus. You know, great pick. I'm a huge Rose fan as well for all the reasons you listed too. I find her so well-rounded. I love her striking. I love her grappling. I love her heart. I love Rose Nami Yunus. It's tough not to love. I guess I kind of stayed away from, like, current champions because I always wonder, like, do they get to the top of the mountain? They kind of get their big envelopes. And then is she going to have maybe, like, two or three more fights and then has her eye on retiring? So that's why – so that was just sort of my personal preference on it. But I think you're right that, you know, if I could redo this now that you bring that up, yeah, great pick, great pick. All right, here's my final one. Uh, I don't know what I had him ranked at this point, but here, here's my third and final pick. I'm going with this on Makichev, and I'll tell you why. Uh, he's the second coming of Khabib. He is also of the wrong age. I keep picking people who are like 29 years old. But that being said, I find it fascinating that Khabib is now a coach. And Khabib, you know, if you hear these two talk, I mean, he really credits Khabib. This is not just someone in his corner. He views Khabib as his coach. And I'm fascinated to see if Khabib could be a champion fighter and a champion coach. And I obviously love, love Makhachev's style. It's the same stuff I talked about with Tatiana Suarez. Great takedowns. A uh, great submission game from top. And this man's a pretty good striker, too. I mean, you know, Khabib was someone whose striking was underrated. He could kind of hang. Um, I find Makachev actually good. Like, I find Makachev throws combos together. He's not just out there wrestle boxing. So I find him to be the complete package, and I'm fascinated to see where he goes. 
in a very deep division, my favorite division. So I had to pick someone at 155. I'm picking him. Yeah, and it seems like he's got some big fights coming up, right? Like, they now know he's ready for Rafael Dos Anjos or, you know, Tony Ferguson or Benil Dariush. Like, so, like, those types of exciting fights are right on the, the edge. I've thought about him and a lot of different people at lightweight, um, which maybe I'll include some of them in my honorable mentions because, I, I mean, like, well, I guess I'll just include him now. You don't have another pick. So I was going to think about Brad Riddell, who's super fun. I was going to think about Armand Sakurian, who's super fun, and Raphael Fiziev. Um, all those guys up there. But the one I settled on is I actually went down to Bantamweight for this one, uh, for this pick. One of the lighter weight fighters. Only been in the UFC for two fights, uh, but is only 25 years old and is already ranked in just two UFC fights. I'm taking Kyler Phillips in this one. He's coming off a win over Song Dong. He's fighting Rafael Asuncao next. So already they are putting him on the fast track to the top. The guy, I mean, he goes by the nickname The Matrix, and there's a reason for it. The dude's so fun on the feet. He's basically, to me, he's what would happen if you took Sean O'Malley, and he trains with Sean O'Malley, so there's a reason for this. If you took Sean O'Malley's striking and you added to it a sick grappling game, because I actually love Kyler Phillips' grappling too. He stuffs takedowns. He gets them himself. He looks like he's got a great sub game. He's got ground and pound. Like, I mean, like, he, he got elbows from the back mount for his, his UFC debut for a finish. So, like, he's got that, but he can also outstrike and stuff Song Yudong. I think at 25, he's probably going to give us, you know, like, 15 more amazing UFC fights before we don't see him anymore. Um, and he's also one of those guys who's like, you know, I do MMA for for the art and stuff like that. So, and those guys tend to stick around longer, right? Those, um, you know, I don't want to put him in the same boat as like Diego Sanchez, but like he's in it for the art of the martial arts. So I, I think he's going to stick around forever. So it's a little bit of that, but also because I do think he's damn fun to watch. Great pick. I like his age, too. I think you got someone, like you said, that could reel off 15 fights. Let's go lightning style here, Gumby. I'll give you my two honorable mentions. And I, I will actually just I'll give you one. If this list came out a year ago, I probably would have picked Sean O'Malley. I have a few concerns about him. Uh, so, you know, not really worth talking about. But my real honorable mention, because I, he's cleared to fight, he's going to fight, and it's Kazmat Chimiev. Very impressed by him. The fact that he grew up freestyle wrestling, made a national team, or almost made a national team in Sweden, uh, you know, his striking, too, so much power in his hands. A little more, I need some more tests, obviously, right? Like, I'm not fully sold. Uh, I, I want to see him in, like, a back-and-forth war. I want to see his hands in a later rounds. But from the three fights we saw in the span of a few weeks, pretty fucking impressed. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and he's super young. Here's another one who I thought – so I gave you a couple of my honorable mentions already, but another one who I really strongly considered was Brandon Royval, uh, just because of the way he came onto the scene last year. He beat the hell out of Tim Elliott in arm triangle choked him. He he guillotined Kaikara France, and yeah, he, he lost to Brandon Moreno, who drew in the title fight immediately after – but he also dislocated his shoulder in that fight. And, and might we see a different outcome if he doesn't dislocate his shoulder? Maybe. And at 28 years old, the guy has never been in a boring fight. He loves to go in there and strike. He, he calls himself a striker. And he's got eight submission wins out of his 12 wins. So, like, 
Like, he would be another really fun one. Uh, and plus, he goes by the nickname Raw Dog. Who doesn't want Raw Dog on their list? <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I'm going to the HR department, and that about does it for this. <laughs> I had so much fun. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to it. Give us some feedback on the old Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, this train is a rumbling. Where are we going next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Yusef Zalal as he gets ready for his fight with Sean Woodson at UFC Vegas 28. And you can catch that whole interview right now. All right, and joining me today is Yusef Zalal, who fights Sean Woodson at UFC Vegas 28 on June 5th. So, Yusef, I want to talk about this last year that you had because, you know, you debuted February 8th, 2020. A year later, you had fought five times, and, and obviously with a roller coaster of different kinds of results. Reflect a little bit for me on, on what that year was like for you to go from not being in the UFC to, to fighting that many times. Man, it was it, it, it was crazy. Like you said, it's a it's a roller coaster. I went in, I found my UFC debut February, and I was like, oh, this is when the pandemics after started hitting and all that stuff, and I was like. In my, I told this to my wife. I was like, well, at least I made it to the UFC. I don't know how, when I'm going to be fighting again, but at least I made it. You know, like, I don't have to look for fights and stuff like that. But, and I wanted to fight, but I was like, oh, God, it's all the pandemics and stuff like that, so I can't fight. And then two weeks, I think two weeks uh, or a couple of weeks before I fought, they were like, yep, the UFC's back. And coach, coach is usually on this stuff, like, right away. He's like, guys, we got to stay ready. Like, UFC's working on this. And this UFC didn't even have fights. They were just talking about it. And he was like, oh, UFC's uh, working on a fight, blah, blah, stay ready. I thought he was just playing. I was like, ah, whatever. I don't think it's going to happen with all this pandemic stuff. I was like, I don't think it's going to be true, but whatever, sure. And then we literally got ready. And as soon as, soon as they hit up for his fights, it was nonstop. It was crazy. It was the craziest experience we had for that few three, uh, three months or like four months at the beginning first. Absolutely, and, and I'm I'm curious too. In looking back at, at those five fights, which obviously, like I said, a hot start, a little bit tougher of a time down the road. It, it, are you happy that you you got to have that kind of experience where you got five fights in in your first year in the UFC, or do do you wish you took it a little slower? Ah, uh, to be honest, man, what uh, whatever it is, what it is, you know, it's like it's 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 I'm blessed enough to to experience that. I feel like. Not a lot of fighters done that. I think there's only like two fighters, three fighters that ever uh, fought like in, in in a year's period in the UFC five times. So for me to to really just experience that and really be like, okay, in in the in the in the long run, if we if we need to do that again, we can. You know, we possibly can, and we did it. But uh, I mean, I would not. I, it doesn't matter to me. I would not change anything. To be honest, it is what it is. And out of curiosity, then, if you wouldn't change anything and you, and you liked having the experience, is it something you'd be willing to do again? Would you Would you put in another five fights in a year's time? Oh yeah, man! I, if you If you guys follow my career, you know, you know, even at the regional level, I'm I'm fighting every every month or two. So it's like for me, it's like whatever. It's like if if the fight comes and I'm I'm healthy, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. It's like I'm, which is usually what happens. Like the only thing that stops me is injuries for me. That's it. Besides that, I'm, I, I usually try to stay ready, like, shape-wise, lifting-wise. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I'm curious, too, because, you know, like, like you said, up and down, roller coaster results here. The last two have been losses. They've been losses by decision in, in some pretty close fights. 
going into this training camp for Sean Woodson, who's obviously a much different fighter than the last two, have you felt like you needed to make any changes to what you were doing? Uh, not really, man. It's like I, I had my training, the, the, the same, the same training. Yeah. There's little, little tweaks, changes like mentally and, and, and all that stuff. But besides that, the training is the same, you know, it's like the, the main thing that kind of changed is the, how I'm approaching the fight. And, and could you share a little bit more of that without obviously giving away too much of your game planning here? What What is the difference in the mental aspect of this one? Uh, so my wife wanted me to try. Uh, she 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 was like, hey, I think you should try out this uh, sports psychologist. Uh, and I was like, OK. I was like, sure. I was like, I don't I don't I don't usually like the, uh, working with guys or anything like that. You know what I mean? And then she was like, hey, I think you should try it out. She she saw it on uh, the Joe Rogan, Corey Sanhagen's episode. And then uh, the guy's in Denver. And I've been working with him for the last six weeks. So that kind of literally changed my, my mentality, how going into a fight, how acting with, with like, social media, fans, and, and people, family, and all that stuff. So that's, that's the main change, to be honest. And you felt like that that's put you in a better place for this training camp. You you feel like, you know, obviously you, you sounded, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. You sounded a little skeptical when you were first going to start it. Do, do you feel like it's made this camp better for you? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I come from Africa, from Morocco. There is not not pretty usual, there is nothing about therapy, you know, that we, like, we don't, we don't do that. Therapy is get your ass home, like you're fine. <laughs> you know, that's, that's. That's the therapy we have in Morocco, you know. So like, I never had, I never knew like you can build your your mental stuff. It's not, it's not like I don't I'm, I don't have like like mental toughness or anything like that. It's like yeah, like you, you guys see me fight. It's like whatever, but it's like to to, to just kind of learn how to understand your brain and then kind of see the the little tweaks and little mistakes that you be you be doing without recognizing. And then you have a guy basically kind of helps you recognize those stuff and kind of see those stuff. Yeah, man, 100%. It's definitely pushing the camp to, to a different level for sure. It's not like anything changes. It's just me mentally and the energy kind of completely change. You know, that's the big difference. Uh, I like that. Now let's talk about the fight itself too because, you know, obviously a, a very exciting guy you're fighting here in Sean Woodson who, who had kind of a similar trajectory of you. He, he looked, you know – like a world beater at the very beginning of his career, had had a tough outing his last time out. What, what were your thoughts when they offered you somebody like Sean Woodson for your next bout? Oh, they offered me, and I was like, it, doesn't he train with James Krause? And coach was like, no, he doesn't. And uh, I was, he's like, yeah, this fight is ready to go. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. I wanted a fight. I was like, I'm not going to say no. I was like, I'll take it. And that's when pretty much taken. I found out he's not training with James Krause. He's training back at his home so and I was like, all right, cool. I mean, it, it is what it is. The fight business, you know. Absolutely. Now I'm curious too. You know, you mentioned the James Cross name, and, and obviously, uh, you you feel pretty highly about the work he had done with James Cross. And Sean Woodson is kind of known for his striking, and he has that similar striking to James Cross, and he was working with him before. Is this the type of fight you expect to go in there? Do you expect to see a, a sort of a striking battle here? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I definitely could see him coming out, but it's a fight, you know, like, things will definitely will come out the way it's going to come out, you know, if, if, if we've seen how the hits fight striking, 
you guys seen out of my fight. So it's like, yeah, I'm definitely uh, be ready for the striking, but uh, I can, I don't know. We'll see how this fight goes. You know, my things can change completely if you, if you get a hit, crack and stuff like that. But a hundred percent agree. Yeah. That's the, definitely the style I can see him coming out with. And you mentioned, you know, in there, you, you don't know what's going to happen because you are probably seen as a little bit more well-rounded of a fighter than, than Sean Woodson here. I also noticed recently you got your jiu-jitsu brown belt. Tell us a little bit about how exciting that was for you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I showed up I showed up to the promotions and I was like, like, whatever, man. I'm like, I'm not big. Uh, I used to be, you know? I used to be as a kid. I'm like, oh, I want black belt, this and this and that. But I was like, I never, after finding MMA and kind of just training MMA like whatever you know but it, it, it was a pretty cool thing to get and really to show like what what skills I, I, I'm to get improved on and really just push the level a little extra higher you know you, now you're you're definitely a higher belt so you gotta you got target on your back now so that's that's where the competition gets better and, and really raises my competition too so I'm I'm very excited and happy about that. Well, congratulations. Now, I do got to ask, too, as a, a jiu-jitsu aficionado myself, do, do you do you feel the urge to have to go in there and get, get a submission finish now with the brown belt target on your back? Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like every time, like, I like I, I, I go in and fight, I'm like, oh, I strike him, this and that, and somehow I, I almost pull off submissions. It's crazy. I don't know why why like my body is like okay like you wanna you wanna go jiu-jitsu we'll go jiu-jitsu you know and stuff like that like i feel comfortable there you know but hey man if, if the if the if the jiu-jitsu submission came by I'll, I'll i'll be happy to take it i'll be the guy to jump on it right away well whatever way it goes down on june 5th we'll be looking forward to it once again fans this is yusuf Zalal who fights sean woodson ufc vegas 28 once again that's on june 5th yusuf thank you so much for the time man i really appreciate it Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate you. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We certainly couldn't do what we do without you guys, or we couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, Maroon Social and Better Than Vegas, as well as the mothership, CagesidePress.com. Make sure you head on over there for all of your MMA news. And of course, if you're heading on over there, you might as well head on over to our Twitter and Instagram accounts as well. Give us follows there at Top Turtle MMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll see you then.